Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8 and uh, follow the sermon bumper. You'll see that the, the four Ps that I'm actually talking about in this whole four-week series that I started in last week. Um, and last week we talked about the presence of God and I'll just do a short recap uh, so you can kind of see where I'm going because I believe at the core, the very foundation of who we are in the kingdom and many people depict it and display it in different ways. We say we're Christians, we're believers. For whatever reason, my generation, it's like you see it on every IG, uh, Instagram account or whatever. I'm a follower of Jesus or whatever. You know, whatever you claim yourself at the core of that person, you're a son, you're a daughter. And so that's what my heart is about. The majority of my prayer time is spent and praying into sonship because I want to understand what it means to truly be a son and or in your case if you're a woman in the house a daughter in the kingdom of God and sonship is is something that is that again I'm going to refer to it as sonship but understand ladies we as a men we're also the bride of Christ right so it's kind of how that works but I started this four-week series and uh, what I felt to pray into because this is, I want to see is at the end of this thing, I want to see a realization of what it means to be a son or a daughter in the kingdom and not just a bunch of, well, just tell me what I need to do. No, 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 no. You, you first have to learn how to be before you can go and do. And it's looking at the life of Mary as she sits at the feet of Jesus and receives while uh, Martha was serving. And although Martha didn't eat her sandwiches, I mean, people probably, Jesus probably did eat those sandwiches and they don't doubt. But one thing that was needed in that moment, and it was Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. I took out of last week, I talked about the presence of God and understanding that we look to the children of Israel and that was God's chosen elected people that out of all the peoples of the earth, he chose that people and said, I'm going to put a mark on them that's going to distinguish them from every other person on the planet. And what was that mark? It was God's presence. The scripture talks about in Exodus 33 that, that Moses, he told the Lord, Moses was an intimate with the Lord. He had a, 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 it was just a face-to-face connection. The scripture said that Moses spoke face-to-face. That means an intimacy. There was a connection that was beyond friendship. It was more than friendship. And Moses had a connection with the Lord. And he said, look, If your presence does not go with us, we're not going. He said, what is it that will distinguish us from the rest of the people on the planet if your presence is not with us? And I talked the importance of being led by the Spirit of God, which is our foundational verse in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. But what's more interesting about this, but see, we've been grafted into the kingdom. You understand that, right? We've been grafted in. We're not Hebrew children, but one of the things that's certain is that the book of Romans and Galatians that we have been grafted in through the blood of Jesus 
into the kingdom of God and God's family. And Moses is, he typifies us. When we look to Moses, we should see how we should walk in relationship with the Lord. Even though we live on this side of cross where Moses lived on a different side and we have access to something greater, which is the presence of the Lord in fullness, right? They saw it in part. We still see in part, but we have access to more. And the children of Israel, they were led by what? A fire by day or fire by night and a cloud by day. And if that cloud didn't move, they didn't move. When it moved, every one of those tribes had a specific uh, job to do. They all got up, if it was in the middle of the night, and began to get to it. And so if you're taking notes and you're writing things down, I want you to take action more than just take notes, okay? But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sonship is a position. Sonship is a position. Not only is it a position, but it positions me for something. And what I want to talk about on part two today is I want to talk about purpose. Rick Warren sold millions of books because people were looking for their purpose. People still looking for their purpose. I got to know what I, that we're talking about people and in, 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 in multi-million dollar businesses that, that made the money, got the house, got the vehicles, and all those things are great because I believe that God blesses us in significant ways. But the pursuit of your purpose Pursuit of purpose should never be a substitute for the pursuit of God. So they would they were doing all this stuff. They were coming in and talking to Pastor Rick, and he's like, My goodness, you know, they're in their 40s, 50s, and into their mid to late 60s and made all of this, but they have they're still looking for purpose. And so sonship is your position. When you come into the kingdom of God as a daughter or as a as a as a son, and the Spirit of the Lord comes on the ends, you in that moment have just gained a position. You've stepped into a position through your surrender to Jesus. And in that moment, what happens is, is that you have to understand where is your true north? Where's your compass in regards to your spiritual life? And the presence of God for sons and daughters is your true north. You don't, people say, well, okay, well, I'll come get in God's presence and get myself all healed up and whatever. And then I'll just go back to my, no, no, no. You, you never turn yourself from it. That is your true north. You, if you feel your heart is in pursuit of materialistic things, relationships, promotions, and jobs, and, and the, the, the greener pastures, whatever you want to say, more than pursuing the presence of the Lord, guess what? You've gotten off kelter, and your purpose will be skewed. So what you have to do is recalibrate your heart, bring yourself back into the very presence of the Lord, because in His presence is fullness of joy, right? And it's His right hand or pleasures forevermore. So... Are you looking for items? Are you looking for materialistic things? Are you looking for a person? It has to be distinguished in your life. And so your purpose will always come out of his presence. And his presence is my true north. Here, let me set this up as we get ready to go into the, into the reading. Here's the deal. The president of the United States, and I'm not going into any topics of conversation, but the president of the United States, that position, not the person, but the position, it is one of the highest levels of responsibility in our nation, obviously, if not the most. And so in that position, they are elected into, not only do they are they elected so that they can have power, prestige, and all of these things, they're elected for, uh, for a purpose. They have responsibilities, a very high responsibility. So as in the kingdom of God, when you become a son or a daughter, you have responsibilities. There's some things that are expected of you. Are you with me this morning? You, you're, there's some expectations for, for your sonship. You have a voice. You, you have to learn that there's certain aspects. I can't do this on myself. 
That's why we come to Jesus, but I have to learn from him and from my position as a son, then I step into purpose. So presence to position to purpose. That's how it flows. And so as we get ready to read this, I just want you to open your hearts and open your minds. If you're looking for purpose this morning, it's, it can only be found in sonship. And I hope to, by the end of this message, really teach some things. This will be very practical. Now, some of you may be looking for a lot of revelatory nuggets. It may be there, maybe not be, but I pray that it begins to minister to you. So in Romans chapter eight, verse 14, Paul is talking to, he writes a letter to the Romans and he tells them he's distinguishing between being led by the flesh and being led by the spirit. And uh, I, I got to get into this because this is going to be, this is already, it's been convicting me. I feel a little pushback in the room. Here it says this, it says in the first verse, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, let me stop there. That word Abba means Papa, Daddy, Dad. That's what we have been grafted into the kingdom, so we have a father in this whole thing. But here's, I think sometimes here lies the issue that some of us may actually see him as Godfather instead of God the Father, we come to him only when there's problems. We come to him only whenever there's something we can't figure out or we can't. And then because we haven't walked in that relationship, we see him as a Godfather and we're scared that he's fixing to destroy us because we don't know him the way that we should. That's the reason why I said, Moses said, show me your ways that I would know you. It's all about seeing God in the perspective of how he moves and ebbs and flows in your life through relationship so that you can know him better. All right, I gotta keep moving. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So in the Old Testament, they had the cloud by day, fire by night. But in the New Testament, the Scripture says the Spirit bears witness. If he's inside of me, he's the inward witness, and he speaks. And, and hey, don't go there. Don't do that. The, the flags start flying. If we're starting to veer in the wrong direction, starting to open our mouth and put our tongues into places and, and about people and, and certain situations that we shouldn't, right? We, we have to guard that. He said that, He's our inward witness that we are children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. Now, let me say something. I've heard this and I've really believed this. If you cannot find it, we talk about, well, you know, I got this disease because God wants me to, he wants to teach me a lesson. Would you ever give your kid a disease to teach him a lesson? that he couldn't recover from. It would keep him beat down and depressed and busted all the time. I don't think so. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I just had to insert that. If I can't find it in the life of Jesus, who is perfect theology and the exact representation of the Father, I have reason to question, right? Are you with me? I know it may mess with the way some of us were raised up and, and, and whatever, but I'm telling you, we have authority and I'm not gonna let something loom in my life that Jesus said, you don't have to deal with that. I didn't give you that. I gotta keep moving. I'm preaching something different. But it goes on to say, if we suffer with him. So the only suffering I see in scripture for the saints is they that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Somebody still in my parking lot at Walmart? Or cut me off in the road is not persecution. I'm sorry, but it's not. Although my wrath and my rage come unglued in those moments, 
All right, I got to keep moving. Um, but I'm going to skip down, right down to verse 19. And this is our second foundational verse. For the earnest expectation of creation. So all of the world is eagerly waiting, sitting on the edge of its seat for the revealing of the manifestation of the sons of God in the earth, the sons and daughters. So this creation is waiting for you. Listen, so many, so many of us are praying to get out of this world when the Lord said, no, no I'm coming back to it because I'm going to recreate it. It's going to be new. So I, we're getting back to garden is what we're getting back to. Because Adam and Eve was put in the Garden of Eden. Like there was a garden, and then there was Eden, and then there was the rest of the world. And he said, I want you to multiply, grow, and subdue the earth. So in other words, as children of God, that the enemy will fight with everything he's got to get your, your image of who you are skewed so you'll pursue some other identity in the world, and he'll make you think that you don't have something that you already attained. Sons and daughters, you've already got authority. Sons and daughters, you already have an identity, but you're looking for in all the wrong places, right? So in other words, the devil, which is a liar, he told, the children, he told Adam and Eve, he said, the moment you eat that fruit, you're gonna be like God. Well, that's stupid. He, they were already like him. So he'll fight to mar and skew and confuse you and distract you and derail you because from your position flows your purpose. Come on, are you with me? All right, let me keep going. So here, as I jump into this, because daily practices is what I want to give you. It's kind of like with me, I, I, I have to, I'm not the brightest tool in the shed. So sometimes preachers and, and so is teaching, they have to take the cookie and put it on the bottom shelf so I can reach down and get it. Don't put it up too high. I can't get it. So that's what I want to do with you this morning. I want to give you some things that in your personal practice and daily life that you can apply to your world to see purpose being fulfilled in your personal life. Comes back to the heart of sonship. I'm telling you, the presence of God is your true north. So meeting face-to-face -face with God, let me just put it in this perspective. If a multi-billion dollar CEO, which typically they're not gonna give interviews for the most part, they have a team that does that, but you put in an application and this, this uh, CEO calls you up out of the blue and says, hey, I like what I see here. I personally wanna interview you. If you would, be here on such and such date. I want you to be here at 8.30 in the morning. Be there, ready to go. And of course, you're gonna, you're gonna look your sharpest, I hope. You're gonna brush your teeth, fix your hair, take a shower. Hopefully, you do that daily. But you're gonna do all those things. You're gonna be looking sharp as you get ready to uh, go into the interview. But what's the catch here is that as I'm getting ready to leave the house, I have somebody to call that calls with an emergency. And it's just a friend saying, help. I'm starving, I've got the kids by myself, and I have nobody to get me some, uh, uh, whatever your bre bre favorite breakfast meal is. And so, I, I know this is overt, and I know this sounds corny, but what are you gonna do? Are you gonna say, hey man, I'm sorry, you're just gonna have to starve, because this CEO is offering you a package of six figures a year, let's just call it 500,000 a year, six weeks of paid vacation, you're gonna have a, a Monday through Friday, nine to five job, I mean, it's gonna be gravy for you. Think about it. The, the, I, mean, I know, I get it. it was like, well, that can, well, it'll never happen to you if you think like that, right? So anyway, but you're going to make sure that you do not miss this interview. You're going to show up early, all of that. So flip this in the perspective of your relationship with the Lord. Now, we're talking about the ancient of days. We're talking about the creator of everything, the father of all life, that every day he shows up in a place called the secret place, and he's waiting. The scripture says... When you, Jesus was telling them how to pray, you go into your secret place, and when you have shut to the door to pray to your Father who is in secret, he's already there. He's already waiting. And you have access to identity, access to trust, security. You have access to breakthrough, access to all of your provision, because your provision doesn't come from your job. It comes from him, right? 
but yet we neglect that because for whatever reason, the urgencies of life, but we're still pursuing purpose. So let me just give you this. The first part of the scripture says, for those who are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. Now, if I could take this scripture for just a moment, the scripture, or as it says, for those who are led, that word led is a present participle, which means who are continually being led, Paul says. For as many as are continually being led by the spirit, let me just put my emphasis on it. These, these are the children of God. So it's not like a one-off. I followed him once last year or a couple of times last year. It was at every point of my life, I acknowledged him as the proverb talks about. Acknowledge God in all of your ways and he will direct your path, right? It was one of those, it's, it's one of those that at every turn, even when it hurts, I wanna follow. Even when it's great, I wanna follow. When I've got all the money in my bank account and everything's going well, I wanna serve him. But, but when everything gets really bad in the valley, I still gotta serve him. It's like at both ends of the spectrum, you're submitted and you're yielded. Now, I'm going to say something because the first thing you've got to do is you've got to give in. Look at somebody beside you and tell them, say, just give in. Now, I tried to make it simplistic for myself because I always say surrender. I got to yield. I got to submit. That's me. But I, you just simply got to give in. It's got to start at the place of giving in. Now, what happens at times, then the Lord comes into your world when you're following him and you're being led, constantly being led by the Spirit of God. Remember, cloud by day, fire by night, they were led every day. They were constantly being led. They had to follow or else provision wouldn't come. For us, in our life, because maybe we make a decision to follow him and be led at certain points and seasons, only when it's tough in our life, what happens is, is that we miss aspects of God as a son and as a daughter and as a child that we, we, we don't learn. And my point is, is that God will show up to correct. He'll show up to rebuke. He'll show up to bring a changing in the trajectory of your life because he sees something getting off. So he'll show up to correct. We don't like it, right? Doesn't feel good. He prunes and cuts back. But here's the deal. The scripture says in Hebrews that he is a father that chastens his children or corrects his children. And if you don't get chastened by him or you refuse it, get, what do you consider to be? Illegitimate. I don't want to be an illegitimate child in the kingdom. I'm just telling you. I belong to him. In other words, not only do I enjoy it when everything's going great, but when he brings correction, because here's one aspect of God. God will discipline us so that his blessings won't kill me. Are you with me? He'll correct your heart because he knows if he gives you more, you're gonna hoard it for yourself whenever he's caused you to be a funnel that he can funnel through and touch others. You with me? I keep saying that. I just, I'm getting a lot of stares. Maybe you're just processing. But here's the deal with correction. It's hard to be corrected by somebody that I don't walk in relationship with. Right? It's hard. So, if I don't walk in relationship with the Lord, whenever stuff starts to fall apart and the seams begin to come unravel, guess what I'm gonna do? Oh, he's just a horrible taskmaster. So said the parable of the talents of the man that had one that did nothing with what he had. He was in a position to gain more, but guess what he did? He buried what he had. Oh, I'm good with one. He just got, I'm just good with one. And the Lord shows up and says, what have you done with what I gave you? Because remember, sonship is a position. You're responsible for what you've been given. Right? So it's hard to correct someone, and so we look at him and we see him as such. A horrible taskmaster. Let me keep moving. This scripture that I just read describes the lifestyle of those who are children of God that are constantly walking in that. We're going to miss the mark from time to time. Listen, you're gonna, I mess it up. I, I, it, probably more times than I should. 
but I come back. I come back to presence because his presence is, identifies me. I can't go there just yet. Sons and daughters put to death the sinful appetites of the inferior old nature. If you are constantly being led by the Spirit of God, you're going to put to death the old inferior lifestyle of what you used to know. It doesn't mean you don't remember those words or remember those joints and those places, joints, actual places and, and literal joints. You, you put to death that old nature and you shift your focus towards the Lord, right? That's, you got to put those things. Paul is talking about, he said, reckon yourselves dead. In other words, put to bed, put to the grave, that old form. This world, is when you encounter God's presence, what you start learning, the more you're in it, the more you understand the world you live in is way inferior to the kingdom that's within you. You know what God's kingdom is? It's his will, his way of doing things. And you've got to submit, yield, and give in. I question, I'm not saying you're not, I just question those that say, oh yes, brother, I'm a saint of God. I'm saved, sanctified, set free, and delivered. But yet still walk in the old lifestyle, nothing's truly happened. Now you're proclaiming something, but you'll be known by your fruits, right? So something shifts, and it's a daily leading. It's not just a one-off. It's a daily leading. Here you go, Psalm 37, 4. Everybody loves this verse. I do too. Uh, and I'm preaching to myself, by the way. Yeah, it's, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires. Of now, that sounds great, right? Oh, man, well, what is delight? Well, let's just see. I think if I just go to church, if I come into church, and I find a little moment and worship and pray and slap, slap, slap high fives with a few people or whatever it is and shake hands, talk with some, worship, hear a good word or whatever it is that's going on that day. And I go home, or maybe it's a small group hanging out with some of my friends and we talk Jesus and leave and we thought, oh, that's delight. No, no, no. You know what the word delight means? This changes my perspective in every aspect. Delight means to make soft or pliable or in other words, become clay in his hands. So in other words, Become clay in the hands of the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what potters do with clay? They mold and they shift and they, they make and they're constantly fashioning. I mean, here's the thing. I did a study on this at one point a while back, not in depth, but just pretty much reading over it. And this is what it said, is that potters, if they can't shape the clay, they'll throw it into the potter's field and not use it. Do you wanna be tossed into the potter's field and never be used? So guess what? In order to find purpose, I've gotta give in, I gotta yield, I've gotta submit, Here's the problem, people. Let me tell you. We're living in something. It's called the faith for a reason. It's not called the understanding. And one of the things, too, is very important. When you give in, you've got to give up your right to understand because you're not going to understand everything that happens under the sun in the kingdom of God. I still can't figure out why when his presence comes upon me that I just collapse in the floor because it's so overwhelming, but he's all-powerful, right? But the important thing is you start there. You become clay in the hands of the Lord and he begins to shift and mold and, and shape your life and make it to what he wants. And what you'll find is as you submit to that process and you give in and you encounter his presence, that all of a sudden the desires that you once had begin to shift because he's making your heart look like his. And your purpose becomes more clear. Do you understand that when God was creating you, he had a vision of you before you were ever in your mother's womb. And whenever he blew into your mother's womb and created life from that moment, he had a vision of you living in your fullest, most successful state, not according to man's standard, but according to his standard. He had a vision for your life. Think about it. Jeremiah the prophet, we always like to quote Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you. But yeah, that's true, he does. And the thoughts he has for me are more than the, the sand, the grains of sand on the seashore. 
At the foundation of a child of God, this is something that you work in private. You don't work in public. You work trust in private. Trust, if you're taking notes, your trust in the Father becomes the bedrock from which great faith is being built. And here's my point. Many of us look to those in the marketplace that are very successful, say they're believers in the marketplace, and they're very successful at what they do. They take risk from time to time, and God just puts his hand on it excuse me, and blesses them in a way that's like, man, that's incredible. How did they do that? And so we look at them and say, man, I just want great faith like them. But what you don't understand is the bold faith that you see is standing on the shoulders of quiet trust. They've learned how to trust. Father, what's your command for me in this day? Not, not sin. I, I've settled that. I'm talking about the commandments. What's not right? Well, I, I know what's that. I just, I want to know what is your command right now? They come close. You give in. Second thing, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you would live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Here in this next part, you've got to change your thinking. Your thinking has to shift. That's repentance. It's not groveling at an altar for an hour and a half. Oh, I'm bad. I'm so rough. And I mean, it's, I'm not saying that's not needed because godly sorrow does work repentance. But I've, I, I, I come before, the, I just got to start changing the way that I think about every aspect of my life. Here's the thing. When I look at this, there's two words that stand out to me. Slaves and sons. And as I was reading this, it stuck out to me. It's a mentality. You got to change the way you think. So here's my question to you, son, daughter in the kingdom. Are you a son or are you a slave? You have to figure that one out. A slave is not just submitted. They are bound to their taskmaster. Well, I got decisions. No, 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 you don't. You think that in the kingdom of God, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this. You be given over to your own devices and you'll be led by sin. Sin comes in little by little, right? But eventually it takes root and brings forth death. Sons function from slaves mentality. And here's a little bit of a difference to you. Your purpose can get skewed if that's your perception. So you have to make sure that your thinking is right if you're a, if you're a son or daughter in the kingdom or you're a slave. Because a man, as, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think about yourself, that's what you're gonna become. Um, sons have an inheritance. Slaves have a job, right? If I'm a son in the kingdom, I have an inheritance to something greater. It's not just the, the sweet by and by. I have an inheritance to the kingdom of God that's within me, that whenever I lay hands upon someone sick, when something's not functioning correctly in my family, I have a voice of authority to speak against it, right? Sons and daughters have voices of authority. Slaves have jobs. Sons have vision because their fathers have dreams. And slaves have work because their taskmasters have quotas. We got a quantity we got to hit today. You better work, 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 work. In the kingdom, I'm not saying that we don't do our, our work because faith without works is dead, right? But it's learning to function from your position that doesn't wear you out. Okay, I got to keep moving. My journey from a, from a slave in a sense of, let me just put it in perspective of the kingdom. My journey from, uh, from a slave mentality to a son went as thus. I was probably, it was probably around 2010 when I developed a personal prayer life because all this is happens in, in, in the womb of prayer. It can happen. You give in there. You change your thinking there. 
But I, I started out in 2010 in my personal prayer life every day going after God. And I was just, oh, I got I to gotta get into my word. I got to pray. I got to fast. I got to do all those things. And there is a process that you, you have to discipline yourself because before it ever becomes delight in some aspects, it has to be a discipline. And so I was in pursuit, but then it was just like I felt, I still love God, but my perspective, I didn't know I was a slave in my relationship to the Lord until I shifted to a friend. I went from a slave to a friend. And I was just like sitting there having conversation with God as a friendship. One-on-one. And it was just, I can't, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you. That's where I went, from a slave to a friend. And then at one point, I remember reading through the book of Romans and reading in Galatians when it's talking about sons. I was on a, a pursuit of this, and I felt it was just like a gentle shifting. And I was like, I'm a son. I mean, you can tell somebody that, but you have to, like, it, it has to happen internally, and you have to see it. God reveals it to you. And then I realized that I was a son talking to his father. Now, mind you, my earthly dad's uh, in heaven, and so was my spiritual father, so I, I, I didn't have, but it was just, I learned, and it was a connection being built between me and God as a father would talk to his son. I told him everything. I told him everything about others, how I felt about others, uh, praying for others. It was just a communion and a constant relationship that was being built. What I was doing and what I'm still doing is I'm building history with God because the closer you come to him, the more details you st- he starts revealing to you because he only shares his secrets with his servants. That's what the scripture talks about and and Psalms or with his friends. So the closer you come to God, if you follow him from a distance and you see him from far off, I said this last week, you can see my face from the back, Dennis, but it's only when you get close that you start seeing the details. You got to come close. If you only follow him from a distance, when things go crazy, you'll blame him for everything. But if you come closer, you start walking with him in relationship and he'll whisper and he'll speak because God is not going to shout to those that he wants close. He's going pull them close and he's going to whisper in their ear I start realizing who he is and I have to repent which means to change your thinking you have to renew your mind it's the renewed mind that Romans 12 and 1 talks about it's 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 reasonable service to renew your mind you can't understand the will of God if your mind's not renewed and the only way you renew your mind is daily every day Eat the word. Eat it. Just get it into your system. I don't care if you remember it or not. Eat it. It's nourishment. It will nourish you. It will fill you. Your mind will start getting renewed, and then all of a sudden, you'll start looking at situations. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's problems with people in my job. Maybe it's my finances. Maybe it's my city. And all of a sudden, you start looking at it from a different perspective because your mind's renewed, and you start seeing redemption instead of rejects. You'll start seeing a shifting in perspective because you're renewing your mind. It all starts right here. Repent means to change the way that you think, right? So I change the way that I think in my mind about my sin. It has to shift here before it ever stops here. I'm not saying that you, you always stop, but your, your, your mindset will shift about it. The Holy Spirit will talk to you about it. The second thing you have to change your mind about is about God, about his, about his ways. He's better than you think. He is so good. In spite of what's happening around us, he's good. And I have to settle it even when I don't feel it. There's times when I feel rejected, criticized. Uh, You can go through the list. Loss and all this stuff is happening in my world, but I have to come back to the foundation of what his nature is. If I can't hear him speaking about it, I'll go listen to or I'll go read about him and get it into my spirit. So I have to change the way that I think about him. It's the most important thing that you can do in your life is to think about God in the right way. Last thing, change the way you think about the kingdom. I love this quote, and I'm going to say it again. I guess I need to go ahead and claim it. But we repent enough to be saved, but we don't repent enough to see the kingdom come. 
the kingdom of the kingdom of God, he's a king that has his own ways. So I want to repent. God, help me to change the way that I'm thinking so that I can see the kingdom in full manifestation in my life. Let it manifest in my marriage. Let it manifest in my job. Everywhere that I go, I turn my heart of affection towards you. That was week one. Cultivate awareness that you're always everywhere at all times. You're omnipresent. And so, God, I'm going to turn my heart of affection and just know that your presence is with me right now. Speak to me, Lord. Direct my steps. Your kingdom is here. Not only do I repent, and change the way that I think in my mind. I have to confess. You have to walk into confession. Confess about your personal sin. Talk to him about it and confess it. God, I've been been gossiping like crazy. I've been tearing down. I've been backstabbing. I'm just hitting stuff that, you know, in church is kind of the gray area. That's just, we're just talking about what the truth is. It's just, we got to get that out. No, no, no. And let's, I love what Pastor Eddie always talks about gossip. He says that if gossip could be smelt like alcohol, there wouldn't be enough mints in the church to cover it up. But for, I'm just saying, God help my heart. I, I, I'm, I'm conf- I open my mouth. Not because I feel it, I'm going to say it. Confess. Open your mouth and speak. Don't just feel it. Say it. So I confess my sin. I, can, I, I confess uh, about, the king, about God. I speak out, God, I know that I'm feeling all of these emotions that are contrary to what the word says that you're like. And so, Lord, I know that you're not like that, but I've got to get them out. Help me to see you more clearly. Confess about him. Tell him how you feel and then wait for him to respond. The last thing is confess about the kingdom. Speak, God, I'm coming to seek first the kingdom, which is the sonship priority. I've come because I understand that I'm not looking for all the things that can be added. I'm looking for the kingdom. I'm looking for righteousness. I'm looking to be like you so I can represent you to those around me. Verse 17, getting ready to close. Demetri, if you would, says, now for children, then we're heirs. All heirs in sonship. All heirs in in the kingdom have, we have an inheritance. Our inheritance is displayed in the life of Jesus because he's the elder brother. He's the one that we look to. He's the normal prototype for Christianity. How did he handle the political system? How did he handle the religious system? He said, beware of 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 the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. You don't, you can't remove leaven. Once it gets in you, it's leavened into you. He said, beware. In other words, beware of the political spirit and beware of the religious spirit. We look to model him in every approach, every aspect of life. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It's my last one. Learn your role. Learn your role. Somebody said, know your role, okay? Know it. Become acquainted with it. What what am I referring to? I'm talking about in order to discover purpose, you got to understand your your, your position. You got to know your role. What am I supposed to do with what I have? Pastor, you're telling me that I'm a son or a daughter. What do I give in? Become clay. That's the if you just start right there every day, I promise you everything else will begin to fall in place. Just every day yield. God, I, I give in. Lord, and pray, make me clay in your hands. Don't let my heart, my heart get hard because there's too many people sitting in churches and definitely in the world that have bitterness and heart, bitterness in their hearts, unforgiveness, and guess what? Our perspectives get so skewed because when that root of bitterness comes in, it will destroy. It attracts everybody that's like me to myself. You attract what you are. Whatever world you're most aware of, that's what's coming to you. 
So my role in the kingdom is I'm an heir and joint heir with Jesus. I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So that means that there has to be a changing of the way that I think according to this world. I'm not better than this world. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. My kingdom that I serve and that, I, and that I'm a part of, it's within me, Jesus told them. And it's important to guard our hearts, but I gotta learn my role. So know what belongs to you by right of sonship. Here's the thing, two areas, and I'm gonna talk about this week four. You've been given authority and you've been given power. And I'll talk about power a little bit more in depth. There's a difference. The authority that you possess as a child of God gives you a voice. A voice first in prayer. Oh, I want to go with imagination, but I'm doing that next week. I'll just give you a little short snippet. To, to learn your role, whenever God begins to deal with you, listen, your imagination. God gave you an imagination. It can either be sanctified or it can fall way outside. You know what I'm talking about. And here's the deal. Whatever comes into your mind, if it's not in your imagination, hear this, okay? I'm done. I promise. If it's not filtered through intercession, it's not pure. Your imagination, if it's not filtered through intercession, will leave you to your own devices. And intercession's the place of prayer, and God allows you to know what to say and when to speak it. Here's the point of our existence, I believe, outside of intimacy and relationship with the Lord. God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face. Old Testament, anytime it mentions the presence of God, you can interchange it with the, with the face of God. When it talks about the face of God, it's referring to his presence. May you be, and bless us and make your face shine on us. In other words, let your face, your face, when you turn it towards me, favor comes. So that your ways, what was Moses obsessed with? Knowing God's ways. What is God's ways? It's his kingdom. It's his, the way he wants to do things. That they would be known on earth. Your salvation among the nation. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet? Now, here's my point. For so many that have been in pursuit of purpose, oh, I gotta find my purpose. I need to figure out where I'm born. What was my purpose? First off, your purpose is intimacy with God, first and foremost. I, I, you'll hear this come out of every message that I preach. This is always my personal due north when I come back to him and talk about relationship. But when you give yourself holy, not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. When you give yourself wholly to the Lord, spirit, soul, and body, not only do you have to find your purpose, your purpose will come looking for you. You know what'll happen? You'll be in pursuit with the Lord and any whatever that regardless, and then all of a sudden something will just show up in your life. Promotion shows up. Purpose starts showing up. Doors start to open up because you've given yourself completely to the point. Your purpose that you then find out was not that I need to find out what I need to do, but it's turning your face before the Lord and saying, God, I'm coming after you. I'm gonna press into you. I'm gonna seek for you. Whatever it looks like, God, I'm coming after you. I don't care in the dry seasons, the raining seasons, the best, the worst, I'm coming after you because in that I find out that purpose then turns and comes says, I wanna know what I can do for you. Let me give you some examples. Abraham, scripture says that he was obedient, takes off walking. Guess what? In that whole process, because he was obedient, favor, or purpose come looking for him, he became the father of nations. Moses, a burning bush experience. We see this whole process worked out, but simply because he turned aside and began to look and be obedient, guess what? He became one that was an intimate with the Lord and led the children of Israel and went up on the mountain for 40 days and glory began to come upon Moses. We look at David. He's on the backside of nowhere. Backside of nowhere, 
His father forgot about him. How awful is that, parents? Sometimes maybe you want to. But you're, you're, he's on the backside of nowhere, tending to sheep, wrestling with the bear and the lion. And that's no small feat. And all of a sudden, there was a prophet called Perfus that come looking. Where's David? Where's he at? Where's your other son? Oh, he's out tending the sheep. Samuel comes up, anoints his head. Because when you're doing what God, when you, when you go in pursuit of the Lord, your purpose comes looking for you. Elisha was plowing the fields and Elijah the greatest Old Testament prophet comes throws a cloak upon his back identifies him and walks off because purpose came looking and the last one Mary the mother of Jesus pure an angel of the Lord shows up and it she had multiple and probably encounters with angels because it said she was disturbed in her heart what kind of manner of visitation is this like are you coming to bless me you coming to renew me? I don't know what's going on here. This is all a little bit wild. But he showed up to speak to her and say, Mary, you're going to get pregnant with the Holy Spirit and give birth to the Son of God. And as I close, I land this plane fully. When your purpose finds you, if you don't connect yourself to these, this aspect of what I'm talking about, when promotions come, they may be good, they may be bad, but it doesn't matter. When your heart's completely solely given to the Lord, you know his heart, you know how to discern, and you know how to walk it out. And they're coming. Promotions are coming. But it's just a matter of where is your heart? Where's your head? Are you surrendered? So I just want to pray for just a moment. If you would, bow your heads. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this people. Maybe there's someone here this morning that their purpose has been in pursuit of other things, materialistic things. They've been pursuing the items. They've been pursuing the promotions. They've been pursuing other things other than you. So this morning, and listen, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to call you to the front, but I just want to know who you are in the room. In any capacity, you'd be real and honest and say, Pastor, that's me. I've been pursuing material things, man. I, 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 that's me. If you would, lift your hand so that I can begin to pray. See the hands. Over here, anybody else? Bless you, I see the hands back there. And it's not this bad as God is recalibrating your heart. That's what he wants to do. He wants to shift your focus from the, from the, from the thing to him. So Father, right now in this moment, let the presence of God come right to them. Let their hearts begin to shift. I pray for the presence of Jesus just to surround them right now. Kingdom of God come in power. Will of God be done. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their lives. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, and, you, and he's knocking on your heart's door this morning. You've stumbled into this room. The scripture talks about it that I said it while, while ago that the godly sorrow works repentance and you need a relationship with Jesus. You don't lift your hand and get saved, but he's already knocking on your heart. The scripture says that no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw. As he's drawing your heart, let me see your hand. Anybody right now committing your life? I'm, God, I'm, I'm surrendering. I'm giving in. Feel their life, God. Feel their life. Kingdom of God come. Will of God be done. The name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week. Thank you.